worship comes from the book of Philippians, chapter 1. I'll begin reading in the 12th verse, but I hope you'll be re- begin reading in the first verse in your household reading plan, beginning today and tomorrow. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it's become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers have become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me, for to me, To live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you. Continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause for glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so whether I come and see you or an absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened at anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw, I had, and now hear that I still have. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As we encounter God's word together this morning and remember what it means to be rooted, rooted in Christ, I have a picture in my mind of this huge mulberry tree in our backyard. And its roots spread everywhere. And during this time of year, in spring and summer, and before the leaves turn color in the fall, it is green. And it's green whether it rains or whether there is drought. Uh, It's part and parcel because we're watering our small patch of grass and those roots get it from there. But it's because that root system is deep and broad and seeking out a wellspring to have life. Friends, I want you to have deep roots so that as whatever we may face, 
whatever drought in life you may be facing now or may face in the future, your roots will go so deep into the, into the wellsprings of life in Christ Jesus, his word, his living word, that you can sustain anything and continue to produce good fruit, continue as we're encouraged in the book of Philippians to rejoice, to rejoice in the Lord, to even have joy. Yes, indeed, stand firm, as firm as that huge mulberry tree does in my backyard. As I mentioned in Psalm 1 in our opening prayer today, there we're reminded that as we take delight in the law of the Lord, delight in God's words, as one commentator, Martin Luther, put it, our roots are thrust in and we are sustained. That kind of sustaining life is what I am praying for you. And, you know, I, I came across a testimony this past week of a Christian physician who was facing his end of life. He was fighting for life. He was going into surgery and as they discovered in the middle of the surgery to try to unblock an artery, that the damage was too great and they couldn't accomplish the task. And as he came back out of surgery and was told that it failed and his family surrounded around him, he could see the distress on their face. He'd been a patriarch in their church. He'd been a loving father. And they were heartbroken because they were just told by the doctor that death would soon come. Now this patient doctor now, laying in bed, was not able to speak. And so he signaled to be able to write something. They gave him a piece of paper. And there he wrote these words of the Apostle Paul from chapter 1 of Philippians. And what did he write? He said, for me to live is Christ and die is gain. Now, how could he speak with such boldness in that time of distress? How could he speak of such competent faith, confident faith? He did that not only to encourage his family there among them, but because he was rooted, rooted deeply in the word of God as he comforted his family with the hope that he now had at the end of his days, I want you to have that kind of confidence in every day of your life. I want to have that kind of confidence. Don't we all, as you're sitting here listening this morning or this afternoon or whenever you're dialing into today's worship service, don't you wonder how can someone have such confidence in such difficult times uh, with the people that they love and proclaim it so boldly? In that kind of distress, in that kind of drought, we want that kind of assurance and confidence. Is your worldview able to withstand that kind of circumstance? Is the worldview that you stand on the ground that you stand on, able to stand that kind of earthquake? Are you rooted so that no storm can take you down? No storm can overtake you? I'm praying that for me. I'm praying that for you. I'm praying that for our body of Christ here at Faith Lutheran. 
And I'm praying that for those of you who are seeking that kind of stability, that kind of truth. Our circumstance, challenging as it is in these pandemic days, in some ways pales with the circumstance that Paul faces in his circumstance. But whether it's ours or as we hear in the Apostle Paul in just a moment, whatever you may be facing, whatever challenge, whatever drought, or whatever resource you may be leaning on now, I want you to lean on a resource that will give you assurance and encouragement in a time of distress. Paul was in Rome, and there in Rome, he was imprisoned, awaiting an audience before the emperor, not knowing if it would go well or if it would be the end of his life. Paul had invested in Philippi and leaders there. He'd, he'd led by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lydia, to faith. And he escaped from prison, but didn't run away when the miraculously the doors were opened. Instead, he said to his jailers, we're still here. And there they came to faith. And the gospel advanced in Philippi. And so now Paul writes to these beloved people who he'd invested in, to sustain them in their faith as he nears the end of his life, as he stands imprisoned. Paul writes this letter in 62 AD, many scholars agree. That, that's important that year. It's not just a, a side fact to know that he wrote it in 62 AD. Why is that? Well, as I shared with you in my Christmas Eve sermon, those dates matter because that means that he had written this testimony of the hope of the resurrection and of the truth of Jesus Christ a mere 30 years after Jesus had died and rose from the dead. What does that mean? That means for those of you who are skeptics and asking questions and wondering, can this worldview really withstand this type of difficulty? Can, can this Christian life really stand up to the darkness of even death? Or is it just wishful thinking? No, I can tell you as we stand in history, as we confess this word of faith, that in 62 AD, there wouldn't have been enough time for legends to develop as some has accused uh, Christianity to be. You see, right then there would have been eyewitness accounts who would have refuted, could have refuted the testimony of what Paul said that Jesus did. Instead, that testimony only flourished flourished even to the point, as we'll see in the text, with that imperial guard, and I know some of you are uh, thinking of Star Wars now, but these were the original Roman imperial guard surrounding him. He writes to the people of Philippi with encouragement, even under imprisonment, even yet still with joy. And so how might you and I be encouraged. How might you and I still live with joy? That happens with roots firmly planted in God's word. The last couple of years, uh, I uh, have struggled 
to be saturated in my own life in God's word. And even still, it's been easy for me and probably easy for you to hear and look around at all the voices around us, the difficulties of the life that we face, the challenges of the world around us, and to be discouraged. And so we need to constantly be reminded to turn our eyes upon Jesus. Paul does that with encouragement as he reminds us to rejoice in Christ, to rejoice in his word and to firmly plant our lives and stake our lives there on a testimony that is true and real. It's why C.S. Lewis first made the case for Christianity while Germans were bombing uh, Londoners. He made that case later turn into the book Mere Christianity so that they could be encouraged in their distress with a hope that is sure and true. We hunger for hope. We hunger for a word that we can hold on to that will sustain us in good season and in difficult season, in drought or in plenty. And as we hunger for that food, we find it in God's word. We find it in relationship with the community of the body of Christ. And with that community and through God's word and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be sustained. We can be sustained as we long for justice and peace in our world and for righteousness. And we can be sustained as that word gets written on our hearts. Oh, we, we often settle for less though, don't we? We settle for a worldview of our own construction, a, a, a righteousness of our own making. But we find quickly when those storms come how those things that we build up on sandy soil just get knocked down in the storm. And so as you long for peace in a storm, hear this encouraging word from Paul to the people of Philippi. And indeed, God now speaks to you and I. The word of God has been written to encourage you this day. Just as he wrote it to encourage then, God is using it to encourage us now. Are you on the right course like the Philippians were? Or do you need to be cheered on to get back on course? Are you weaving through a difficult season of your life and need to hear about the joy that we have in Christ? Is your worldview rooted and, and are those roots able to find sustaining joy even in difficult times? I'm not talking about your own resiliency. As one commentator put it, Paul never mentioned his strength or his goodness or all of the good that he had. He was leaning solely on Christ, or as the prophet Zechariah put it, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. No, I'm not talking about the next best thing of us putting in our best effort. I'm not talking about waiting for that next best thing and hoping that when that new circumstance comes, then, then things will be okay. When the vaccine gets her or when the virus is defeated or when you get your job back or, or, or when that event can finally happen or, or when the grief of the loss that stings so much now and feels so encompassing, oh, when will it relent? When we wait uh, for these in 
Believe me, I'm praying for all those good things to be a part of your life. I'm praying for the virus to be defeated. I'm praying for you to be receiving comfort in your grief. I'm praying that those events can finally happen. See, we can see, be sustained regardless of circumstance. After all, the Apostle Paul is talking about encouragement and joy while being imprisoned. While being imprisoned. While being imprisoned, friends. Paul was beginning to see in his imprisonment as an opportunity. You see, the Praetorian Guard, the Imperial Guard who I told you about, who were there guarding Paul, they were the Emperor's Guard. It makes sense since he was going to see the Emperor. This Imperial Guard, this Praetorian uh, elite guard, they got paid double the salary, they got better retirement benefits, and they had access to the circle surrounding Caesar. And so... This guard who got to overhear Paul in his imprisonment share the gospel and sometimes be engaged with him or overhear as he taught others who would visit him. It seems we get reports that the gospel was going forth through his imprisonment right into the very inner circle of Caesar. And so Paul began to see that fruitfulness with his roots being fed by the good word of God. We're still in this, what would have seen to anyone, a season of drought being imprisoned, actually we're producing a fruit for the sake of the gospel. Paul was confident that the prayers of his fellow believers, as you'll read here in chapter one, were an outpouring of the spirit and cheering him on. That is what brought joy and hope and not the change of circumstance. It doesn't mean we don't continue to pray for those circumstances to change, but his sufficiency was in Christ. Are you unsure of the outcome of the impending trials you're facing? Well, so was Paul. He didn't know what would happen when he faced the emperor. Whether he lived or died, we hear in this text, he counted as gain, whether he gets to preach the gospel or be in the very presence of God. Notice Paul depended on Christ. He depended on the people of God and he saw in it the opportunity of the gospel. Let me say that again, this threefold strategy, he depended on Christ and his word and its sustaining comfort, the hope of the resurrection. He depended on the people of God in their prayers and he saw in it the opportunity for the gospel. That strategy is true for you and me as we put our trust in Jesus. Put our trust in something that's not a legend, but historically true. We put our trust in Jesus, the living word. And we can put our trust in sisters and brothers in Christ who pray for us as we'll pray for one another and worship together today. Go to a sister or brother in Christ and lean on them. Let them pray for you. Be in community with fellow members of the body of Christ. Grow together in a small group, even if it's on a Zoom platform. Grow together with the body of Christ. And then look for the opportunity that the Holy Spirit is giving you to bear fruit because of your roots being planted in the Word of God. Look, I'm not talking about 
leaning on your own resources. I'm talking about leaning on that of Christ and the body of Christ. Ultimately, if we lean on our own strength, we'll be depleted and fail. We'll be like Peter, who when he was walking on water, and this is a beautiful image for me, I come back to it always in my own life. As he was walking on water, Peter, now I didn't say Jesus, I said the apostle Peter, remember Jesus in the gospel as he was walking on water, invited the apostle Peter to come out there with him. And Peter did, right up until the point that he turned and looked at the waves and looked at the storm that buffeted them. And as he looked at that storm, he began to sink. Oh, my friends, so often we, now let me tell you, so often I am like Peter. I'm not saying this task of turning our eyes on Jesus doesn't come with much failure along the way. Oh, so often I turn my eyes and see the problems of this world, see the difficulties that we face, wonder how we'll ever get back on track, wonder how will ever make it. And instead of being overwhelmed by the joy and the sustaining word of God, I get overwhelmed by the problems that I'm facing in life or that the world is facing. I wonder if that's like that for you sometimes. But you know what Jesus did for Peter when he turned away? Immediately he reached out. He reached out and saved him. It's not about the strength of Peter, it's about the work of Christ. It's the grace of God that sustains us in times of distress and sorrow. And he immediately reaches out to you and me and saves us as well for all those who trust in Christ Jesus and return our eyes, sink those roots, thrust them in more deeply into the promise of God's word. That's when I put my earbuds on again and, and listen to the word of God pour over me in the Bible app. That's when I go to reading plans like the ones will be in this coming week. That's where I go back to the God's word and remember the truth just as Paul remembers it here. So let us in the midst of whatever storm you're facing, whatever wave you may be riding, whatever may be going on in your bank account or maybe going on in your family or maybe going on in the world around us as we pursue justice and peace and it seems hard to grasp or as we pursue truth and it seems like everyone's just abandoning God's word, you and I, the members of the body of Christ, praying for one another can come to the word of God and thrust our roots in more deeply and hear this promise, the same promise proclaimed by Paul as we turn our eyes to Jesus. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Whatever we may face, we can be sustained. And as he said earlier in the chapter, that we can trust that and Rejoice in the fact that what he began in us, he will bring to completion into the day of Christ Jesus. Listen to this promise in Psalm 1, but those who delight in the law of the Lord, who meditate, or as one scholar put it, or as one text put it, chew on God's word day and night. That person is like a tree planted in streams of water, which yields fruit in every season. Friends, in whatever season you're in right now, Trust your roots in, whether in joy or grief, and know that the Lord is with you. 
Let the people of God pray for you. And let us see in these moments the opportunity for the fruit of the gospel to pour out for us. Amen and amen.